Hello, listener. Today we have a special guest on the show just in time for Halloween. I've managed to get an author who's written some pretty cryptic texts to come on and tell us about his latest book, Werewolf Magic. Denny Sargent is an author of over a dozen books and a professional in academia, but his esoteric side is his passion and has been with him the majority of his life. You'd be surprised just how vast werewolf lore truly is and how it has been intertwined with pretty much every civilization throughout human history in one way or another. Even the witch trials at Salem had dabbles of it thrown in, but it's the more psychological side of the topic that Denny talks about that I find the most interesting. A look into werewolf lore reveals that we have a ton of DNA of canines to a great degree. It's pretty ridiculous. And the ancestral memories are buried deep within the collective unconscious of humanity always trying to scratch their way to the conscious surface out of repression. So let's dive into it and see just what is revealed behind the dark veil of the subconscious and the secrets behind our relationship with nature. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. So hello listeners, I'm here with Ashley and today we're interviewing Denny Sargent about his book, Werewolf Magic, just in time for Halloween. So Denny, um, you are a writer, an artist, a university instructor, you have a bachelor's degree in education and a master's degree in history and a intercultural communications degree, correct? Correct. That's what I, that's what I got. And you spent basically most of your life in education. Yes. Yes, I have. I even when I was, when I had my master's degree, I was a teaching assistant at uh, Western Washington University. And I've been teaching ever since. I fell into ESL, uh, lived abroad in Japan for four years. Oh. Uh, became the head of a um, an ESL institute. I was the director. Then I moved over. Uh, I I got more more credits and um, in linguistics and a bunch of other things. Then I moved over to being a um, graduate level instructor in TESOL, which is teaching English to speakers of other languages. I train teachers is what I do. Yeah, you've written several university textbooks. I've written a few. None of them are fantastic, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's modest of you. You're also a well-known occult writer, which is pretty, probably the most fascinating thing I find about you. I don't know how well-known I am, but anyway, thank you. Yeah. So just where did uh, werewolf lore come from and how did you begin your research? How did this this whole thing start concerning your book? Okay, that's uh, it's like the little intro in my book too. So I'll give you the short version. 
Um, about five years ago, I had a traumatic shift in my life. Um, lost my wife, lost my house, lost everything. And then uh, a year later, my job at the university disappeared and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was in a very, very bad place. And um, sorry, that's my dog. Um, he's Good gonna, boy. He's going to do that once in a while. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's perfect soundtrack to my life at that point. I got one too, see? Oh, yeah, there we go. They can bark at each other. Yeah, oh. he heard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's about werewolves. I mean, if our dogs can't, you know. Right. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I meditate every night. I'm also... Um, I'm an initiated tantric. I've, I'm, I've, I'm a witch. I'm all these other things too. It doesn't really matter, but I, I sit and meditate every night and um, no matter how rough things are. And um, I was meditating and all of a sudden I noticed as one does when one's in deep meditation, entities come and, and gods talk to you. And, you know, it's, it's all part of the, the idea of being out on the, in, in the deep meditative zone. Anyway, a three-eyed wolf showed up and I was like, whoa, what is this? And started to talk to me. Now, this is an archetypal form in my unconscious, very likely, right? Mm -hmm. But it was very important. It started telling me things that I didn't realize and didn't know. And then I looked up, I said, oh my goodness, it's, this is, I'm getting real feed here. And the three-eyed wolf basically said like, I'm here to, I'm here to free you from the from the hell that you've created for yourself more or less and um started started leading me down this path and I, i've always liked werewolves i mean i like horror movies mm -hmm. but um i've never thought of it as a you know as a as an occult or, or religious or spiritual thing then i started doing some research you know and also realized uh, over two-thirds of witches that were accused of witchcraft well people who were accused of witchcraft during the middle ages we're also accused of being werewolves, which I didn't know, you know, and I was like, wow, th this is a thing. And then I, I started digging deeper and realized that, no, this isn't just a thing from the church in the Middle Ages. Um, there have been werewolf cults since the dawn of history, and it, go it traces all the way back to shamanism and animism. Then I remembered, OK, I've I've traveled to maybe 28, 29 countries in my life. It's it's my obsession. I like to travel. And I like especially to go to, um, I guess I would call them less industrialized countries like you know, Guatemala and Nepal. Mm -hmm. And I ran into, I, I literally ran into shamans in, in three different places. And one of them took me to actually a gathering of shamans in, in the mountains of Guatemala that was astounding. But I, I so I, I have some idea about shamanism. Um, I don't claim to be a shaman and I don't claim my book has, is, is, a, is a book teaching shamanism. I'm just saying it was influenced deeply by the practices, the ancient practices of, of shamanism and mm -hmm. soul retrieval and, and, and astral projection that shamans leave their body and, and go help people and, and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. so all this has started to come through me as I'm meditating every night. I'm, I'm writing reams and reams of stuff. And, and, and then I get, you know, I get the very clear instruction, like go out into the woods in the middle of the night you know, get out, go out. And um, I sort of in a, in a crazed frenzy drove off and ran into the woods and ripped off all my clothes and, and, and just kind of like threw myself at the mercy of, of, of Gaia, of the great earth mother and said, you know, I'm, I'm broken. I need help here. And um, it was it, at that point, it was completely nonverbal. And I had a, a major um, spiritual experience of Gaia sort of embracing me and nature embracing me. 
I don't think it was supernatural because I think, I think nature is always there to do that for us, but we have cut ourselves off from nature so intensely that we don't hear it anymore. We, we can't connect. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and this is where my traveling around different countries really helped because I hung out with these shamans. I've hung out with people in, in many, many places, lots of indigenous tribal people who are, who, who have made it very clear to me that, that animals and people are the same. Like, like this was just a norm in a lot of conversations was like, they called animals people, you know, they said, Oh, well, the people of the forest or the people of the, of the, of the woods, they teach us many things. And, you know, we, we, we eat some of them and some of, sometimes they eat us. Right. And, and, and I, I, once I went into the woods and did this and kind of, ripped open my brain and ripped open my, my heart and everything and just kind of stopped thinking and was, and, and I realized that later I, I deconstructed this whole thing and was told point blank, you know, you, you, you've got to release your animal self. You've got to release the part of you that truly knows that you're an animal and break through all the, the, the stuff that's crowding our brain. It's filling our head with, with civilized things. And oh, I have appointments tomorrow and a bunch of programming. Yeah, your programming, your religious programming, whatever you grew up with, your family programming. Everybody thinks that the way they grew up was the way things should be. But having been to lots of countries, I can tell you, everybody has a very different paradigms on what that is to exist as a person. Yeah, you don't seem to be really trapped in any paradigms. For Not, like, I read your book in like three days and yeah, you seem pretty fluid. I've reached that point through this. And so, okay, here's the joke. The joke was I never planned to write this book. I'm writing other books. I wrote a book on Tantra. I'm writing books on other things. And um, I, I, I was writing and writing and writing this stuff, but it was for me. And these rituals started to flow through me. And I was like, okay, I'm, and every single one of them I did. And I was very lucky because I lived, at that point I had an apartment that was, that was in the middle of uh, 70 acres of woods. So I got to, you know, I can run off into the woods and rip off my clothes and howl and nobody, no cops ever came. So I was kind of lucky on that one, but um, <laughs> all the, all the rituals you see in there I've done and then went back and rewrote them. And, but the whole point was to completely let my animal self come out and, and just for a period of time um, just exist as a quote unquote werewolf, you know, let the wolf the wolf spirit, the three eyed wolf that kept showing up it, it, I, has, has become codified in my mind as the, the great wolf spirit. And, and lo and behold, I started, as a historian, the first thing I do is, okay, this is an, this is a, you know, this is a, a personal gnosis that's going on with me here, right? It doesn't it maybe apply to anyone else, but this is what's happening with me in my life. So in the book, you go into some pretty fascinating topics. Um, what, when you first experienced that, exactly what did you come across when you started to look deeper into the lore of werewolf stuff? Well, that's it. You know, once I started looking at history, I was like, oh my God, there've been werewolf cults since the dawn of time. Who knew, right? Like mm-hmm. literally they call them like, okay, like the Roman festival of uh, Lupercalia. You read the book. Thank you for mm-hmm. reading the book, by the way. Almost nobody reads the book. I read it all the way to the back. <laughs> Did you really? Mm-hmm. Wow. You're a first, I have to say, of everybody who's interviewed me. Congratulations. <laughs> they just skim it and they go, okay, tell us about it. No, nope, so, I'm serious. Um, but go on, yeah. I love that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You have no idea how much I do. But um, yeah, I, I, I started doing research. And I, okay, so for example, like in, in ancient Rome, Lupercalia, the wolf festival was a huge festival in Rome. Mm-hmm. 
four days of licentious craziness, drunkenness, wild sex in the streets. It was, it was, it was, it was, a, it was the big Roman festival, right? Oh yeah. And, and um, the priests who, who, who ran this festival were called Luperci, which translates directly as werewolf. Now, I, I, I was like, okay, go further back, further back, further back, further back. And um, I'm finding this term in different cultures, uh, like Lyk- Lykos is wolf and Lycaon is the wolf mountain in Greece, where apparently lycanthropy as a religious observance has been, has been going on um, way into prehistory. They're still doing digs there and finding information. Oh, yeah. So, so, I mean, as far back as like, I mean, I went all the way back. What well, goes see, past oh, before, pre, it's like prehistoric. Even. Yes, it's prehistoric. The, the wolves and werewolf, the wolf god and the wolf spirit was worshipped um, on Mount Lycaon in Greece way into prehistory. Like mm-hmm. they're finding stuff from pre-Hellenic. Later when the Hellenic gods rose up and, um, and, and uh, Athens and it became, you know, a center of culture. They, they, uh, groups of other religious people took over that temple, which was the werewolf, the wolf temple, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they called they they dedicate to Zeus, and Zeus is called Zeus Lacayan there, which means he's wolf, he's wolf Zeus. And down the hill, one of my favorite deities, uh, there's a big temple to Pan, and Pan at that temple is known as Wolf Pan. So. There, there's always been this element. I found a um, cave painting of a werewolf that's 40,000 years old in Portugal. That is clearly, if I showed it to you, you'd say, well, yeah, that's definitely a werewolf. Yeah. It's, it's a guy with a wolf head holding a spear. It's like, okay. Wow. Well, in your book, it's like, it's not like people are physically turning into werewolves. Not that that's not possible, like you state later. But mm-hmm. it's more so uh, like an astral, like mental unconscious aspect of the collective unconscious that's like forming. Yes, I, I'm a big fan of Carl Jung, and um, oh yeah, me too. We, oh, good. Yeah, we could see, we could see. You know, I the the term that kept coming to me over and over again that I use over and over again is the animal self, meaning. Mm-hmm. And you read the book, so you know. Yeah, I, you talk about the DNA, how much of our DNA is actually canine, right. and it's just uh, ancestral primal memories. That's correct, and and also it's 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 consciously moving your your cognitive process from the upper cortex yeah. down to the lower cortex, what, what Sagan called the, the dragon mind, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it's all very physiological. It's, it's spiritual and psychic, but it's also psychological. And it, 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 it goes back to the idea that we can, we can shift our states of consciousness and we have control over our, our own psychology and the way we perceive the world. Mm-hmm. Um, as a tantric, I, I believe that the universe is Maya. It's Mahamaya. It's it's samsara. It it, it is it is uh, made of of the goddess Shakti. I.e., it's just energy. But we project our will and our thoughts and our beliefs, and we manifest our reality in many ways. And so mm-hmm. this just kind of fell into that. And Carl Jung, of course, fits that perfectly. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah. So so people have asked me, oh, do you equate the animal self with the shadow, the Jungian shadow? In a sense, I think the the shadow is a personal thing and is a very big yeah. Thing. Uh, there's also like that's just one little category of some of the same thing. Like there's different names. Like you have the the unconscious shadow, and then you have all the other unconscious aspects of the psyche that's beneath the surface too. That could be 
we don't even know. It's like the possibilities are limitless. Exactly right. You 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 read my book. I'm so happy. So, so, <laughs> and you're following the exact same track I I followed, which is, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in blind belief. I'm interested in magic. The you know the art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. Like, can we? But you know, we can't change. I can't change things like the tree outside my window by simply imagining. But I can change my own internal psyche, and. Where I believe that what werewolf magic was was something with it grew out of shamanism. I'm I'm virtually certain, and the yeah. idea the idea that and I've met shamans and hung out with shamans and I I actually wrote an article. Uh, there's a link in the book to a, a long article I did on a magazine many years ago called Pangaea. I had a column called Worldwide Paganism where I interviewed real pagan priests of different traditions like Santeria and and. Uh, um, Chinese, Chinese Taoist paganism, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, I interviewed um, two uh, two shamans from the the Nani Doro, the uh, Ulchi tribe of Siberia. So they were legit shamans. That that's oh, what, nice. The word comes from right from from Siberia. Mm-hmm. And um, it was fascinating for me to hear their view. This was years before I got into this subject, and um, they, especially especially Nadiasha, who I interviewed mostly. She pointed out that being a shaman was kind of sucked because <laughs> because the, the the animal spirits are the ones who initiate it and they start coming and talking to you and telling you what to do. Well, it wears you out too. Yeah, yeah, and it wears you out. That's right. That she was saying, you know, it's you're you're lacking sleep. The shamans don't live that long. Nobody wants to marry a female shaman or a male shaman because oh my god, you have to deal with that all the time. So much drama. But, yeah, but they're, <laughs> yeah, they're crucial. Like she had, yeah, to go, yeah. she had to leave. She had to go into animal shape or or ride an animal spirit and go find where the 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 game was. So so their tribe would have meat or or go see what was going on with this or go see help somebody heal. You know, so this really helped me. This sort of echoed, not exactly of course, but sort of echoed my experience with this three eyed wolf showing up and knocking on my door. You know, and mm-hmm. saying and saying I'm here to. I'm here to help you. You you called me. You didn't realize it, but I'm here to help you, and I'm going to stick with you. And it and it's been a major part of my life since. So I mean, this this I I wrote. So the book is funny. So I'm writing all this stuff. I'm reams and reams and reams, and also doing art. By the way, I just launched a um, a friend of mine just made a um, online museum of my werewolf art. Awesome. I'll have, I'll have to send it to you. Maybe. Yeah. Could you send me a link? I will, and maybe you can, yeah, connect it. When I will. I'll connect yeah, yeah. any and all links you want me to put down on the show notes. Oh, sweet! Thank you. That's really nice of you. You're a really nice guy. So, <laughs> um, so, so I'm trying to remember where I was going. Oh, yes. <clears throat> so I went to Pantheacon. I, I, I'm sure you've heard of Pantheacon. No, I have not. Oh, okay. It was the. It's the. It was. It just ended. They, they just dissolved. It was the largest collection uh, or gathering of. Um, pagans witches magical people occultists uh in the united states it was down in oh. san jose every february <laughs> i'm kind of just an armchair researcher but i am a spiritual in a sense if you could call me anything i don't really like to put labels on me but a taoist would probably be a label oh, excellent i i started with taoism when i was 10 i yeah. found the Tao Te king like, and I, I still keep it right next to my bed so i mean i yeah. meditate every day too like i'm all into all that stuff but I just, I'm, I'm more of an armchair researcher when it comes to most fringe. Well, I have to say, as I get older, I am too. 
Do you like food? Do you not like going places? Do you like staying home and having food brought to you? Well, you're in luck, because a thing called Blue Apron exists. With multiple pricing, there's a way to get the gourmet delicious meals under any budget. And it's totally worth it. Cryptic Chronicles would not promote Blue Apron unless it knew how good it is for you. With all the junk and everything these days, the majority of people sustain themselves on poison and don't even know it. A healthy spirit, mind, and body requires a healthy lifestyle, and the ability to take care of yourself, and feed your body all the nutrients it needs to function at its best in our highly demanding lives. You get to choose your own meals. The chef-designed recipes include balanced Mediterranean delicacies, quick one-pan dinners, and top-rated customer favorites. Unpack your home-delivered box with enthusiasm because there's a guarantee on freshness and the highest quality of all Blue Apron products and ingredients. Create magic following our step-by-step instructions, you'll experience the magic of cooking recipes that the master Blue Apron chefs created with your family's tastes in mind. With step-by-step instructions, so you never miss a beat and have to get frustrated about making the meal. I know I do that. At least, when I'm not eating a delicious Blue Apron meal that is responsibly sourced, quality ingredients like fresh produce, sustainable seafood and exclusive spice blends means you're going to have a meal that's top tier over the common fast food garbage most people eat. And Blue Apron cares about the environment, which is another reason I love them so much, with recyclable ice packs and packaging to ensure your ingredients stay fresh until you're home and ready and easily disposable for the health of Mother Earth. Do yourself a favor, and take care of your body and mind the way nature intended it, with a healthy meal that's also gloriously delicious. With Blue Apron, the yummy goodness is dropped off right to your very doorstep. So if you like food, and you like not going places, then why not try Blue Apron, and give your mind a rest from going to crowded grocery stores, and writing a list of stuff to get, only to forget half. I went to Pantheacom and um, it's kind of fun. You can go watch a voodoo ceremony or you know, go see a tantric ceremony. You know, you can, you can sort of meet and see lots of new people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I met, um, I, I have a relationship with a couple of different publishers. I've published, as you saw, I've published a bunch of books. Oh yeah. I'm looking at them right now, actually. I mean, you know, I don't know. Elder Guardian. No, wait, what are they? Liber Eos, Liber Phoenix. Yeah. You got a whole bunch of books. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't sell and much, and I don't make any money. But it's something. It's it keeps me off the streets, I guess. Anyway, anyway. Hey, I talked. I talked about you in the Discord channel, and somebody knew exactly who you were right away. Oh, cool. Really? Yeah. Well. So I think that you're a little bit well more well known than you think, buddy. I, <laughs> that's both exciting and a little terrifying. Okay. <laughs> so, so um, <laughs> oh, where was I? I was at Pantheon. And I, I, I'm obsessed with writing books. It's just what I do. And uh, I brought several, five different proposals. And I met with the um, acquisitions editor for Llewellyn and also Wiser and one more as well. And I said, oh, these are the books I'm shopping around. What are you interested in? And, and, and you know, she goes, ah, yeah, no, no, no. And, and I had slipped in a short one about werewolf magic thinking I was really not that excited about it, but my friends were like, no, 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 you should push this. This is really, this is something. I was like, nobody, this is crazy. Nobody's it's good. pretty cool. Yeah, well, guess what? They pushed four of them to the side and picked up werewolf magic, both of them. 
and said, oh, we want this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously? That's what you want to do? <laughs> All right, then. So the gods, the gods, the archetypes, whatever you want to call them, sort of pushed me into writing this book. At, at that point, it was really just for me. And it was it was a book of rituals and practices for me all centered around getting out of the, in the woods and, and trying to, you know, trying to open up to this animal self. <laughs> so um, it's been very, I mean, the book's done well. I'm here. I am talking to you. I, yeah. You go really deep into stuff though. It all, almost makes me kind of afraid for some people because like, uh, are there dangers do you think of going insane by messing with such deep aspects of the unconscious? I mean, you've got to be prepared for that, right? I think I put in enough caveat. Oh, you did. You did. But people so, who are messing around, like, they could, like, mess their heads up, maybe. Well, I mean, it's the same thing about, like, right now, we've just uh, legalized um, uh, psilocybin mushrooms in Washington State. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, and, and Oregon. So, I mean, and now I'm free to actually mention it because it's legal. Yeah. But it's just like when people say to me, oh, 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 should I do, should I do mushrooms? I'm like, Be ready for it. <laughs> I, you know, do I think it's a positive thing in, in general? I, I think in terms of opening up your mind, cleansing, cleansing your brain, getting, getting working through things, I think it's a useful tool. But um, yeah, I, I mean, werewolf magic has, I put as many caveats you did, you did. as I could. I think it's more so you just got to be responsible when approaching it and take the proper, like everything that you say to do in preparation needs to be followed. Yeah. I, I, because I've been in the cultist for 50 years or a mystic or, or a, you know, everything Taoist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done this for 50 years. I've seen lots of train wrecks. I mean, a lot of people I used to work with are no longer here. And um, so I'm very, I'm very, and I'm a teacher, right? I mean, I teach university and I love my students and I care about, mm-hmm. them. you know, if they're not feeling well, blah, blah, blah. Right. So when I write a book like this, I'm like, I don't know. Am I, <laughs> am I, Am I handing something dangerous to a child? You know, but mm-hmm. but I, I I mean I have to also say there is no growth without some without some danger without some. That's definitely without, true. You know, and so I like I said I didn't plan to write this book. The fact you know this this spirit whatever you want to call it this wolf archetype had come up from you know almost prehistoric era, eras in my brain. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, this book just, you know, kind of wrote itself. It wrote itself. And, and then it was the one book out of five. I really wanted to do my Tantra book, which I did, by the way. That's coming out. I don't know when it's being edited now, but awesome. that was, that was, I was more interested in that, you know, but this is what everybody wanted. And it just, I, before I knew it, I had a contract and I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm writing it. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good book. It's, it's selling. I mean, most of my, most of my books don't sell very well or, well, some of them are out. I of- think that's about to go up in a lot of numbers there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, somebody joked and said, well, you released it at the perfect time, you know. But, oh, yeah, that but- too. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's out there howling anyway. They might as well, like, like get Perf- some, yeah. get some timing. personal growth out of howling. Do you know, I don't know if you caught this, on Facebook, and I, I, was, I joined it right away, of course, there was a Facebook group called Howl at 8 p.m., did you ever hear of this? No. There were 8,000 people on it. That sounds awesome. All over the world. And the only thing they did was at 8 p.m., no matter where they were, they stuck their head out their window or went in the front yard and just started howling. 
And apparently this was a thing all over the world of people just losing, losing, losing it. it. <laughs> you, you heard of it? I did. It, it happened in the Bay Area here in California. Oh, that's, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. I, we got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but you can find it on Facebook. And um, I mean, I howl a lot anyway. So I went to a party. <laughs> I went to a party. The howls are very infectious. I went to, um, my birthday was just uh, a, a week ago. And uh, I went to a party and uh, it was kind of boring. And, and I, I went as, I had my werewolf stuff on and, and cause it was sort of costumey. And uh, towards the end, I was like, this, this party needs a spark. And I just started howling and, and it's infectious. Cause all these, you know, sort of bored gothy types were sitting around and they were like, Oh, rolling their eyes a minute in and everyone in that room was howling and i was like okay <laughs> okay my work here is done you know <laughs> so and in the book you talk about these different types of personalities of werewolf like different personality types of werewolves can you give a quick overview of them and how they're different depending on the individual wow um i can you can you prod my memory exactly what i was saying because I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how i how I phrase that. Yeah. How did you phrase that? I, I was reading and I just thought that it was interesting that there were so many different types of like uh, personalities for werewolves. Well, I, I basically did some research on wolves per se to see, you know, if we're going to play this game and access our unconscious mind and work with this, our, our primal self and it, and it comes up, our imagination has to, has a lot to do with how this is going to look to us. The key, the key to sort of the shape-shifting stuff in there is imagination. Will, and, and I, I believe, um, what do I want to say? Uh, chakric energies, uh, the bioelectric energy that runs through our body, people call it astral or, or energetic, whatever, uh, power. Mm-hmm. That we, can, we can shape these things. We can extend our aura. We can, we can bring it in. There's been a lot of studies, as I'm sure you know, uh, that what we can do with our mind is kind of... Oh, sick. yeah. It's so pretty amazing. What I found personally through trial and error was that clear visualization of what you looked like as a werewolf was crucial to getting that, to that shape-shifting, complete, um, that complete liminal state uh, of trance to get into the, the most, I don't know, the most healing, the most open. Okay, I got it. So, so like, I mean, I can tell you what it's I the, look like. It's the dire wolf, the eastern wolf, the red wolf, the uh, gray yeah. wolf. Yeah. The Indian the Indian. yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of them, and they're all personality types. Uh, yeah, more or less. I, I let I sort of threw them out there for people so people can start um, to start to visualize. Like, I, I mean, I think I mentioned in that chapter too. Like, if this is something you want to try, if you want to do this sort of shape shifting, you have to have a very clear visualization on who you are and what you are as an animal. And in this yeah. case, a, a, a werewolf. Though it, in other countries, it's other animals. In Korea and Japan, it's were tigers and, and mm-hmm. China too. And, and in Morocco, when I was in Morocco, it's were hyenas. And they strongly believe in these things. M- many places I've traveled, people believe in shape-shifting. Yeah, I like that at the end of the book, you did the, the, I mean, the Anubis stuff and poo. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that is, he probably is a werewolf deity kind of, isn't he? He is. I, I, would, I never thought of that before. Yeah, if you follow that that link, that link that I left there for that, um, he's not a, he's not a jackal. He was a, what's called a golden wolf, and there's another Egyptian god called Wepawet, 
who was a wolf, who was a different kind of wolf, closer mm-hmm. to the wolves that, that we have. So, I mean, I can tell you what I look like is, uh, because it just, it, when you go into a trance state, no matter what kind of trance state, and you say, okay, what do I look like as a wolf? Or what do I look like as a bear? Or what do I, you know, it, it comes, it's an archetypal thing in your brain. Like, and I know I have, I essentially, I, I'm a, I'm a large, you know, regular wolf with, with black, mostly black fur and some gray. And so, then you can meet your dream, your wolf in your dreams too. You can do that stuff that you said in the book to actually meet it. And I did actually, it actually, I, I, I wrote the ritual and said, Oh, I hope it works. And then I did it. In fact, and it worked. I, yeah, I had, I had dreams. I've had a couple of dreams where I was running with the wolves, which is kind of nice. But, um, I had a dream, uh, sort of a regular night full of, of, you know, dreams. And then, and then I was starting to wake up and all of a sudden I had a, uh, a color dream that was, I swear this is true. And no, I haven't told this to anybody, so you're going to get a kick out of it. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a bar, right? Like having a beer. And I look over and there's this, there's this um, big guy, you know, a big, big bearish kind of guy with big beard and, you know, and he's staring at me and I look at him. And I said, oh, and, and he looks at me, he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the one you've been, you've been asking for. Um, I'm, I'm your wolf. Like, I'm, I'm your wolf. I'm your, I don't know how to say it, wolf guardian angel. I don't know. I, I'm your wolf spirit. Um, I'm, you know, in this form so we can talk more or less. And I said, before I woke up, because I was starting, felt like I was starting to wake up, I said, can you give me a name? Because, you know in all occult and psychological practices, getting a name is true names. And I got a name and I got a name and a symbol. And so I'm not going to tell you, (laughs) but, but I felt like, I felt like I'd made like a sort of a deep unconscious mind connection with, with like the archetypal wolf spirit that, that I had been working with. Yeah. That's awesome. So what, what about the fletch, the fletch work? Oh, fetch, fetch, fetch. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so this is this was sort of a sidebar because I hadn't planned to fold this in at all into what I was doing. But I I was an initiated witch in the 70s in New York City. Mm-hmm. I was a Welsh traditionalist witch and worked my way up. And, you know, then from thence I went into uh, occultism and um, la, 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 la. So I've sort of tried and done almost everything just, just to, you know, I'm eclectic like you are. And, um, and everything was powerful and everything was interesting. And part of the witchcraft tradition is, is fetches. Now, what's more interesting, how I stumbled back into it again through werewolf magic was with the, the, Norse, the Norse sorcerers were big on this. Mm-hmm. The, the Viking Norse sorcerers, um, we have the, some of the best intel you saw in the book. We have some of the best intel about, about shape-shifting and werewolves um, from, from the um, Eddas, which were hidden in Iceland away from the church that destroyed mm-hmm. It survived. It survived. And, and by the way, having been to Iceland, um, they absolutely believe in spirits, trolls, the gods, and about half the country is still, still worships the old gods. Um, they say things like, you know, hope the weather's good, Thor willing, and they're not being ironic. They're being quite real. So, so it's still there. And, and, and the idea of werewolves and shapeshifting was very real when I was there and talking to people. So um, they call it a flygia, a phlygia. And it's, it's, it's a little bit clearer in the Viking stuff than in witchcraft, which got mixed in with so much Christianity and so much 
devil stuff. And, yeah. and, and the Flyja is kind of like your personal holy guardian, feral, feral, you know, angel, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's your, it's part of your astral being that is a sort of you're born with and it, it can be it, it's a form if you're a sorcerer if you're a sorcerer in, in yeah the, in the it's North basically State. like the hga basically like that it's like a similar it's like a feral hga yeah. <laughs> so and 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 it can it usually is in the form almost always in the form of an animal that you have have you know that you have a deep feeling for and um you you can energetically work with it uh, in the book i talk a lot about um a very interesting psychological um, and historical term called the double. And that yes. was, that was Lacanu, who's an amazing, that book, that book and that concept brought all my whole book together. Without that, I, I wouldn't have written the book because how do you, how do you explain on both, on both physiological and psychological terms, this idea of, this idea of part of yourself being sent out and still connected with you. And, you know, we talk about astral travel and stuff like that, but what is that? And then he traces it all the way back to ancient Greece. And before this idea of a double that we have a, an eternal soul. And then we have, and you know, the Egyptians. Yeah. That part of the book was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me, that was fascinating stuff. And I was like, Oh, boom, I understand it. Cause this is what the Norse were talking about. And then I could extrapolate it to the witchcraft trials and, and the idea of a familiar, a familiar or a fetch is part of yourself that part of your energetic being that you've consciously through imagination and will formed as a separate entity or or it it forms and it's pretty much on autonomous too it can be i mean a lot i think a lot depends on people's deep psychology you know and what their expectations are um some see it as an extension like shamans will say you know shamans say that the animal spirits can't come to them and then one of them usually taps them on the shoulder and says, I am your, you know, so they see it more of as an, an autonomous external thing mm-hmm. um, in witchcraft. It's more that it's, it's given to you by, you know, the horn God, which the, the Christians call the devil. I call the Lord of the forest. It's, that's how. Yeah. I was just about to ask you about that. Right. Who I was going to be like, who is this Lord of the forest? He's Pan, Kernanos, Faunus, almost always not always horned he's the green man he's he's it's it's comes up over and over and over again in the witchcraft trial documents and he has different forms in history like in in the lupercalia he was faunus who was the roman pan but also the wolf god um but there's always a nod to this shadowy figure Mm -hmm. i mean celtic there's a lot of shape-shifting even arthurian legend even Arthurian legend, like like, did you see the the Green Man? The um, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a fantastic movie. But that's an that's a perfect example. But but what's funny is that that's actually based off of an earlier Celtic myth. Exactly. <laughs> so so no, these are the old gods. There's always been a god of the forest, and then the Earth Mother or Gaia, right? The, mm-hmm. the god of the forest sort of represents, defends, and 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 and. Is, is sort of a manifestation of that. Yeah, so, you bring a Hakate into it too with the three heads. Or how do you pronounce her name? Okay, I have I have a lot. Apparently, at this point, I have a large set of friends who are into Hakate. Some call it, well, some some are sure it's Hakate. Some are sure it's Hecate. So 
I just wait to see who I'm hanging out with before I <laughs> she showed up she showed up too and she showed up while I was in the middle of all this because where I, the woods I was in suddenly owls started to come to me and like sit on my deck and stare at me and sort of start to like communicate with me and I knew I felt I said oh this is a goddess I've never worked with before I know nothing about Hikate and uh, she's kind of scary you know considering I what I was going through in my life she was actually kind of a lifesaver because she helped me separate and sort of let go of all of this shit that had been happening to me and um yeah but she's a fierce deity not always. She's uh, sometimes she's depicted as a beautiful uh, young young woman who who helps guide. Remember, she saved Persephone. That's true. Uh, she's most saved, of the time though. She's pretty. Uh. I suspect. <laughs> I suspect that in the Hellenistic world, she she was because she wasn't a Greek goddess. She came from. She was much older. Yeah. And, uh, in the Hellenistic world, which was very male centric, she was seen as a, a spooky, scary goddess because. She wasn't. She was a Titan, wasn't she? Uh, no, she was pre that. I mean, I think they folded her in as a Titan, but yeah, uh, she, she well, she wasn't one of the Olympians, is what I mean. No, she was not, and she wasn't married. Like she wasn't. Yeah. Paired, she wasn't paired off with with a god. No, because she was too powerful and ancient and primordial. Primordial yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. Even, even in ancient Greece, even in ancient Greece, men don't, don't really like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know. Thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third-party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course, Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. For most, all, the show. For, for most of all, thanks for listening.
you know, in I'm a tantric in tantra, women women have more power, are considered to have more power than men. And so and and they are personifications of Shakti. And so mm-hmm. uh, so I, I I suspect her power and her fearsomeness has to do with the fact that she's heavy into magic and she doesn't give a and she has three heads that are wolves in some forms. That's correct. And I think I, I mentioned it in the book. You did. Uh, about I'm repeating Sarah, what about, you said. About Cerebus, about about Cerebus or Cerebus, the three-headed dog of yep. the underworld. There's also Cerebus who guards the underworld, the entrance. Yeah. And so, okay, so this loops me back around to the other thing that surprised me as I was delving deeply into this, both research-wise and personally, is how much werewolves and wolves were connected with death. I had no idea. Oh, that's the good part of the book when you start to go into the underworld necromancy type stuff. You like that, huh? Yeah. I like <laughs> Chthonian stuff is awesome. It is It is not where I plan to go, let me tell you. And um, some people have been kind of put off by it. But, I, I mean, I have so many stories in there about, about werewolf cults being connected with that. It's very possible. Like, for example, it's possible that the golden wolf that was a, that became Anubis was a scavenger of graves and and the this is some of the myth some of the stories i read some of the historical you know guessing you know, hypothesis mm-hmm. is that you know they would bury they used to bury people in the sand and then they'd come out and see you know these wolves pulling the body away and they would and, and in their mind it's like oh anubis is taking is taking that person to the underworld right so that kind of threw me but yeah there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of connection. The, the wolf was the wolf was a psychopomp, just like Mercury and, and you know Hermes and, and um, a lot of other deities, i.e. someone who helped someone navigate the underworld, right? Mm-hmm. I wrote another book called Dog Magic. Um, and I, what I discovered was like uh, in, in, uh, in Japan, they, the Ainu, who are, are very close to being... Um, a Siberian in, in, in origin, uh, they're in Hokkaido. They, they still practice shamanism and they believe that when you die, uh, a dog, a, a, your special dog appears and guides you through the dark caverns to get to the, um, the, the lovely underworld that you deserve. So this idea that dogs um, and wolves help us navigate after death um, it seems to be cross-cultural and endemic. And I vibe pretty good with that. I love dogs. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, my dog has finally stopped barking. He's laying down at my feet now. He knows the routine. But, <laughs> Honestly, though, I love all animals, but I think yeah. that dogs are probably at the top. Well, for me personally, um, I live alone, so my dog is like, you know, he's my roommate. He's not just a dog, right? I mean, yeah, he's, he's your companion. <laughs> he is. We, you know, we we eat together, and we just took a walk a little while ago. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I call him my little wolf. And in fact, his name is Faunus. Faunus. <laughs> so this is a this is funny. I don't know if you want to hear a little side story. I'll make it very quick. But uh, Faunus is one of the major gods in the book, right? Faunus is mm-hmm. the the god of the four, the Roman god of the forest, the Roman pan. He's also a wolf god. And when I got him, I got him from a, um, a Native American woman. I didn't realize down in Tacoma, south of here. And 
um, when I went there, there was, you know, a hundred puppies running around and the mom and dad were there. And, you know, I picked up a black dog. I was like, oh, I like this dog. And she looked at me and she said, no, you go sit with those puppies. And the one that's supposed to go with you will come to you. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Then I noticed she had a huge wolf paw tattoo on her neck. And I, I checked in with her. I said, <laughs> I said, is that a wolf paw? She goes, yes, it's my tribal, uh, it's my tribal totem. She was Puyallup Indian. And, um, I, and then I saw uh, by the door of the house was a, like a, a four foot tall wolf statue of made of wood that was also from her from her tribe i'm like okay i'm in the right place yep <laughs> so i sat down i sat down and this dog my dog came up to me and i was like oh i don't know he's he's kind of a runt and i don't know but he would not leave me alone i'm like all right this is my dog and i when i when i signed the papers she she wrote in um black fawn and i looked at her i said what is that and she goes that's the coloring <laughs> he has a very strange modeled gray and black, which I'd never seen before in a standard poodle. And um, I said, wow, that's weird. And she's like, what are you going to call it? I said, well, I think I'm going to call him Faunus. So he's my werewolf dog. That's all I can <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. He's my little werewolf. So making your own devil sounded pretty interesting. And uh, exactly what is that? Could you explain that for the listeners? It- Making my own what? Your own devil. I don't think I used that exact word, did I? Yes, but you used it in the context of your astral body. Oh, oh, double, double, not not devil. Okay. Not devil? <laughs> no, oh, my, double. I guess I wrote double. my notes down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure, we all have our own devil, but no, I don't think I wrote that. No, double, making, creating and manifesting your own double. Your double is is just the energetic field around you but it's malleable, right? Mm-hmm. It's malleable to will and focus and intention and imagination. And so the idea is that you, first you have to accept, like once, once you know something exists, um, then you can work with it. If, you, if you're oblivious to it, you can't. In the ancient world, everybody knew, or a lot of people knew they had a double. They have their eternal spirit, which, which, which never dies. And then they have their energetic body. Ka and Ba in Egyptian, right? Mm-hmm. And that energetic body, when you die, the energetic body still exists, but, but fades away, or if it's been strongly reinforced, um, maybe floats around, or it's, it's what people see or, or communicate with when they're trying to talk to the dead. That's my opinion, and I, I base it on some other things, too. <clears throat> so it's like molding clay, like I, I happen to pick werewolf. Uh, werewolf was came to me. The wolf came to me. It's a it's a spirit that indicated to me this is what I the image I should pick. But what I was confused about was, did you turn your double into a fetch? Yes, but is that, is that two, what happened? It's two separate things. So I most of my work has been with ex- changing my double. Sort of think of it as a like a costume or an astral shell. When I when I go into trance and trance and do shape shifting, I can create that form and project into it as a wolf. And then you can like do dream work with it. You can do dream work with it, and there's some. And if you saw the ritual the way at the back, there's a lot of evidence that people were actually through years of deep what we would call shamanic practices, um, drumming and trance states, and and uh, probably. Um, 
um, psychedelic psychedelic drugs or or the, some of the things they rubbed on themselves like um, henbane and 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 whatnot are um, very very dangerous but also act psychoactively through years of practice usually with somebody like a shaman you can you can get to the point where you can project your full consciousness into this double and send it forth as you know a wolf yeah it's like you but do you have to be lucid projecting i mean uh, lucid dreaming i mean to be able to do that well i think lucid dreaming is as far as i go and letting letting wearing the whole thing as a as a as like a mat like a like entering that form in my body is is what i do but there's enough evidence I found in lots of places that some some people figure it out a trick to actually disconnecting their consciousness from their physical body and jumping into the double, and then that's where werewolves and people. Yeah, people that's you know, astral project. projecting. That's that's astral projecting, and that's what in a, in an almost physical physical manner though, and this this is what shamans do, and I know this because I've talked to them. They leave their body and they go comatose. Sometimes they're comatose for days. And this is exactly what the um, historians, um, Roman, Greek, medieval, say that they would find these people who were quote unquote werewolves, and they were they were unresponsive. And this was this was the part that was interesting. Um, Petronius, a Roman uh, Roman author, uh, historian, mm-hmm. had an encounter with a with a real werewolf, a guy who was a soldier who was supposed to accompany him someplace, uh, guard him at night. Uh, he was a traitor. Um, suddenly, um, the, the soldier stopped and said, uh, I've, I've got something I've got to do, and turned into a werewolf and ran off. <laughs> the guy was like, uh, Petronius was like, damn, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm All right, I'm going to go to this farmhouse. Went a little ways, went to the farmhouse, and there was all this hullabaloo going on. And the, the <clears throat> farmer, he went up and said, what's going on, and can I spend the night? And he said, yeah, 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 but we just had an attack by a wolf who... who uh, took a sheep and, but we managed to stab him with a spear. So he's like, okay, fine. He goes, he goes to the other town. He does his business. He comes back the next day and he goes to see the soldier who ran off on him and knocks on his door. He's ticked off, right? He's like, you know, you just ran away from me and you're supposed, I'm supposed to pay you and blah, blah, blah. He goes in, the guy's lying there on his bed, injured from, as you can well imagine, a stab a stab from a spear in his throat, which is exactly what had happened to the wolf. Now, <laughs> I've seen this story, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 times, this exact story, that the wolf gets injured, they, they track down the person who is the werewolf by finding that person is missing their arm or has, has a wound. or yep. So that's where it starts to get interesting to me. It's like this person has somehow managed to take... T- to, to enhance their double, they've had training in some way. And these witchcraft covens that are accused of witchcraft, part of the part of the confessions they made was they trained them how to do this. Now this goes, and I, I, I heard this story, I've seen the story in, in Greek, in Roman, in, in Celtic, and in, in Norse uh, mythology and in Norse ideas about, uh, and, and writings about, about about shapeshifters mm-hmm. and so and so I, I don't know i mean i don't know what to say except it, it's the same story you see over and over and over and over again and finally i found it in slavic very clearly in a book that talked a lot about slavic um werewolf practices and that ritual you see at the very end 
they didn't want me to put it in. And I'm, I've never done it. I've never left my body comatose. I'm going to do that soon enough. Yeah, you were talking so. about how like, you shouldn't do that. In, in, in the book, you were like, yeah, you don't, you shouldn't do this. No, no. <laughs> And, and I get more questions about that. Oh, come on, Denny, tell me how to do it. I'm like, yeah, no. I, I've got enough. I've got enough, you know, loaded stuff in this book. I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to say you yeah, rub henbane and fracture people's you know. psyches. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not my job, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I follow. I, my goal is with this book is, I think, I think we're all we're all separated from nature horribly. And this is why we're destroying our planet and we're, you know, we're heading, we're heading for a cliff and nobody seems to really, everybody understands this. Everybody sees, you know, the damages that are happening. Everybody knows global warming. And yet as a, as a species, we're like the only species that is literally destroying itself and its, its environment. No other animal does this. And, and I mean, my, I've over and over again, I've received clear communications. And when I've been in a trance state and been in nature and been completely non, non ego and just completely there and felt and, and experienced the interconnection with my ecosystem on so many levels, I can't even have that conversation. Like once you are plugged into the ecosystem, everything is super clear. You're, you are, you're, you're always part of the ecosystem, but our entire culture our religions, our monotheistic religions, our culture, our politics, do everything to, to wall us off from our ecosystem, from our, our nature, so we can see it as a thing and see animals as things that we can exploit and destroy at will because we're in the, we're, we were created in the image of God and God said, you can do whatever you want with the planet. Man, I hate that shit. I, I, I don't see any difference from humans being separate from nature. no. <laughs> Or the universe, for that matter. Like we're all the same shit. Well, I mean, where would we get? We we get everything. I mean, I, at the end of my meditation every night, I honor the earth and I say to you, from you, all things. Yeah. Is, there, is there anything we don't get from nature? And yet, you know, it's so funny when when I get I see people who eat meat are like, oh, animal sacrifice is so evil, and I'm like. You know, I travel through Nepal, I travel through India, I travel through lots of countries where people sacrifice animals to, to the gods. I, I went to a massive sacrifice to I'm against animal abuse. But so, it's not abuse. They but if it's it. legit, it's fine. Yeah, I agree. And then they eat it. Yeah, that's fine. So, if the animal's so, respected, yes. it, it's fine. Yes, that's, exactly that's right. nature. Exactly right. And, 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 and it's, it's all very humane and people have this opinion like, but they go to the store and they buy meat and wrapped in plastic, right? And I'm, and I'm like, well. That's tortured animal. Yes, those animals. <laughs> Which I'm um, against. Those animals are tortured. Yeah. And, and, and they're just oblivious, like, but we blocked it off. It's like, I don't know, we, we're completely disconnected from nature. And when you go and hang out with tribal cultures like I have, they're not. They're utterly, they know. Like, oh, if there's a if there's a torrential rainstorm, we might not have food. I mean, they know that and the magic they do and the work they do is very practical and pragmatic. They don't they don't you know, they don't meditate and hope to achieve, you know, transcendence for the because it's nice to do. They do a lot of they do a lot of magic to survive and they believe they believe strongly that they're that they're shamans or they're they're holy people. Their job is to make sure that the tribe survives, that people know what's going on, that 
you know, like, oh, they're feeling like a flood is coming. Yeah. There was some very interesting um, stories about uh, in India when, when the big tsunami came and in Japan as well, that the, um, like the Shinto priests had, had premonitions of the tsunami and, and the same in India. And, and the gods came, the spirits came to them and said, you need, do you need to move to higher ground quickly? And those people that sort of followed that, you know, survived. So, I mean, we're, we're sort of in, in going into sort of a liminal space here, but the, the whole goal of werewolf magic, I've, I've been told and I realize clearly, is to help people smash through this wall they've created between themselves and nature. Yeah. And it takes radical, I mean, I have understood personally, it took my entire life falling apart. And I'm a big, you know, I'm a witch, I'm a pagan, I worship, I worship nature. But I didn't really understand that I was worshiping nature and honoring nature and cared about nature and the environment, but I was not plugged in because, because my whole culture and, and the religions I grew up with and my family embedded in me the programming that, that I am a human being, not an animal. And you'd say that to people, you say, you know, you're an animal, we are animals, we are homo sapiens, we are primates, primates are animals. You have that conversation with people and they immediately clam up and they get very defensive. I'm not an animal. If you <laughs> think about all the negative pejoratives we use, you know, don't be an right. animal. She, she's, you know, he's, he's a, she's a, he's a dog, you know, she's this, she's that. We use animals as negative terminology. And if you want to get into like quantum mechanics and stuff, we're really just aspects of the universe experiencing itself subjectively. Exactly. Oh, you go right to Taoism. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So if that's all true, then we have a lot of freedom in terms of that. Yeah. And, and that's part of my belief system or my, my pragmatic belief system in terms of what I'm doing with this is, and, and the fact that the ancients had this idea of a double in like every single ancient culture I studied, and I've studied a lot, I spent, many, many years taking ancient history classes. But as I dug down on this, the, the concept of the double, of, of, the, of this astral force that we have that can be sent out or, or brought back or shifted or changed or even separated from your body is fascinating and seems to be accepted by Taoists and Buddhists and Shinto. Yeah, and I feel like there's something faith. that uh, could be analogous to that in basically every spiritual tradition or wisdom tradition. I agree. That was my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I also, I also practice some, I do practice in Tibetan Buddhism. I'm, I, I work with Tara a lot. I've been, I've been taking refuge and blah, blah, blah. I pretty much do everything, but it's the same sort of thing. It's, um, they would call, uh, they would call the, the three-eyed wolf, my, one of my yidams or my, my main yidam, my, my, the deity that has chosen me. And um, I have several deities that have chosen. Pan is a big one, and that's another long conversation. But um, he showed up when I was 15, and I think he's kind of steered me towards one crazy nature-centered thing after another. <laughs> but, um, I mean, these are all archetypes that, that are within us. Yes. But so is, so is nature. I mean, we belong in nature. We are part of nature. We are. The greatest sense of relief and belonging I think I've ever felt is through through going into the woods and ripping off all my clothes and 
stop speaking, but using, you read about the where lingo and all that. Yeah. I, I stopped talking. I stopped cognating and I just, I enter this fugue state and now I have a, a way of doing this where I'm simply an animal in nature. Yeah. You stop like set talking. You don't think yeah, like you say I, that specifically yeah. you just grunt and stuff. Yeah. I howl. I, I've got, I've changed, I've shifted. So like, I've been watching and seeing like up howling has one connotation, down howling has another, right? Like, oh, is one, and then oh, is another, right? And same with growling and whatnot. So I pieced together a whole communicative system of, of a language. Not, yeah. Of, 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 of the, what animals do when they communicate with each other. Once I can shift into that space, I'm not there. I mean, it's the most Taoist thing I've ever done. I literally. I mean, you read about the, the, you know, the way, the philosophy that kind of came with all this, mm -hmm. the wildness, the weird and the way. Well, if you're, if you're into Taoism, you know what the way is. Yes. I mean, I mean, and, and I had, I had the first two, I had uh, wildness and weird. I had those because the weird is the interconnected, infinitely interconnected system that we can't even comprehend scientists can't even comprehend of an ecosystem right and the way it interpenetrates and we survive within it and we we pull this way and this way and it shifts the system in ourselves but i couldn't figure out what the third one was and i knew it it was driving me crazy and i went back to japan um a few years ago to see a friend of mine who was very ill and um i love japan i was there for a long time so and i went to a um he took me to a, a way out in the woods this Shinto shrine to the Tengu. The Tengu are. Oh, um, I know who they are. Okay, good. Yeah. They're winged nature spirits. They're spirits yeah. of mountains. Like they're very primordial spirits. Mm -hmm. They're very feral spirits. And I'm out there surrounded by a bamboo forest and this, this old, old shrine that was like a thousand years old that hadn't been destroyed. And I'm, and I'm doing my thing and meditating and I, you know, I, I do my offering and whatnot. And I sat and just was like clear. And all of a sudden everything went silent and, I got it. I mean, I got it. It was like, oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, duh. Like just being, you know. Mm -hmm. So Denny, you got to go home and cognate about being. No way, I can't do that. So that was the tricky part. The tricky part is how do you how do you talk about the Tao? You can't, you know. Because then it's not the true Tao. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever read Wei Wu Wei? Um, I probably have that. Yeah. Cause I have a decent, I have a whole like library. He he's, he's an author from China and it's very hard to get his books. Um, I might not then you, you might, you might like it. I'll, I'll W E I just like it sounds way, way, way. If, if you can find it, you, you might find, I didn't know about it. Um, I actually learned about it from Kenneth Grant, if you can believe it. So and he's, he's, his books put you into an instant Taoist trance state. His, his, his short aphorisms. You'll, if you like the Tao Te Ching, you'll like it. Oh, hell yeah. And, and I'm a Chung Zhu fan myself, but <laughs> <laughs> we could go off uh, tangent. We could. Uh, we're running out of time, though, my man. But okay. I would definitely like to have you back on here again. Sure. D is there anything, any last question about werewolf magic you want to talk about? Um, I think I went through it all through my notes. Okay. But right. is there is there anywhere that the listeners can find you? Yes. You yes. I'm on Facebook. I have an author page, uh, Denny Sargent Author. And I also have a blog and a website. And you can get to it with werewolfmagic.com. So W-E-R-E-W-O-L 
W-O-L-F, magic with a K, M-A-G-I-C-K.com. That gets you to me. I also am on Facebook. If anybody wants to friend me, that's fine. I'm cool. not, I'm not, I'm pretty open and friendly. I'll have a, a link for the book in the show notes. And uh, Danny, if you want to email me any links for any of your stuff, I will include those into the show notes as well. The last thing I want to end is that um, I'm in the middle of doing final edits on werewolf pack magic, which is oh, going nice. That's going to come out in 2022. We're going to need to get you on here for that. Yeah. That's that's for groups. And it's really kick-ass. I'm really, because I went to Pantheacon and I presented on it and everybody went completely nuts. And I mean, it was crazy. And I was like, oh my God, this works really well with a group. I guess I should. It's always stronger in a group, man. (laughs) Always stronger in a group, especially once you start doing animal stuff like howling and growling. Like people are this close, especially yeah. now in the pandemic to their animal self, right? You just, you do, all you have to do is drive on the highway to see that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that egregore is just flaring up. They are. So <laughs> I guess I'm riding that wave somehow. I don't know. <laughs> shape shift safely, my friends. I think that's what I'm going to start telling people. Yeah, don't <laughs> drive yourself crazy. Be careful and follow the instructions. Or if you do drive yourself crazy, do it in the woods where you're not going to actually hurt anybody. You'll come back better. That's yeah, there you better. go. If you survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, All right, my get, friend. None of us get out of here alive. Hey, thank you so much, Tim. And it's been Ashley, a pleasure. And sorry, Ashley, I haven't heard that much from you. And I'm sorry because I'm talking so much. But... Oh, it's okay, Denny. The collection of your stories are fun and entertaining. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. that makes me really happy. All right. Well, you guys have a happy Halloween. You too. This is my Halloween show. (laughs) Take care, man. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. That's all for today's episode. If you like the conversation, go ahead and go check out Denny's book, Werewolf Magic. A link will be in the show notes, as well as a plethora of all his other books, which are many. And follow him on social media and whatnot. All the links will be in the show notes. Ashley and I really like Denny, and we'll try to get him back on the show from time to time. We'll see what goes on with his schedule and whatnot. He was a really chill guy that was fun to talk to, and uh, it was pretty cool to have Ashley on the show too, even though she just kind of hung out in the background. Make sure that you have a safe and productive Halloween in collecting candy, and watch out for werewolves. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hubs. You look for us, and we're there. If you can, make sure you like and comment or review wherever you hear this content. If you enjoy Cryptic Chronicles even in the slightest, You can help out by leaving your own comment um, or any interaction makes algorithms like the episode more and will help spread it and in doing so help grow and spread the show. So please review, comment, share, like, it all helps. If it's on a podcast hub, just leave a review. That helps a lot. And um, though the show is free to listen to, the cost to produce it is substantial. 
And by pleasing the gods of the algorithm, you are doing more than your part in support. Let's look at a comment real quick. On the Once a Bitcoin Miner episode, Michael Worrell says, That was a fantastic interview. Thanks, Michael. And if you really, really like Cryptic Chronicles and you happen to be awesome, then support the show on Patreon. For just a dollar, you can unlock full uncensored shows with no ads or anything like that. Get everything early, like ridiculously early, and you'll get exclusives as well. And you can join the Discord channel. Just go to crypticchronicles.com and at the top, click on the Chronicler's Vault. It's a Patreon link. You'll be good to go. And uh, speaking of awesome, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, AlienX, Lorna Grubb, Paul, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, and Jimmy Wood. Thanks for supporting Cryptic Chronicles, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as a wise mystic once said, Dreams are like the old stories where wolves are seekers always running, and women carry fire in their bare hands and light in the dark paths before them. Old stories hold that the birds will fly all the miles of the world to tell your secrets to the rising moon, and men will walk over oceans of ice to find one truth.